You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Colorado Springs? Chris Lopez here with the full studio. We have a client of Envision Advisors in the studio to come talk some long-term strategy. He comes from San Francisco, background in some multifamily investing, lots of experience in stocks and bonds. So we're going to talk some fun, big picture uh, investing strategies. But he also just closed a few months ago on his first house sack in the Springs. We'll talk about the move, the numbers, and getting some longer term strategy. My two co-hosts are Ben Einspar. Ben, what's up? What's going on, Chris? And then Jenny Bayless. How are you, Jenny? I'm doing awesome. How about you, Chris? Doing really good. So you helped our guest and client buy his first house hack, I think five or six months ago, was it? Set it up and introduce him. Yeah. So we are here with Michael today in studio and he worked with Leah to close on his very first house hack. And spoiler alert, he closed on a fourplex today with her as well. So we'll get into that. We'll, we'll kind of, you know, chronologically get there. But um, Michael, thanks so much for coming, coming in and mm-hmm. we're excited to kind of learn your, your whole story, um, you know, and how, how you got here. So I think the best question to kick it off is why San Francisco to Colorado Springs? Right. So I was born in SF. I was there for 30 years and uh, investing in real estate there is really tricky because the amount of capital required. And there was options. I remember in the beginning, I was looking at Sacramento. It's a lot cheaper. You can drive up there, but ultimately you have a lot of property taxes going on. Just there's like taxes on taxes over there. And uh, at a certain point, uh, you don't really want all that regulation, right? I think it's like overregulated in in many ways. So um, at that point, it was like, okay, where am I going to be moving to, uh, to invest? And so I was thinking Arizona, Um, I have family over there. However, uh, when looking at real estate, I'm really looking for appreciation over uh, cash flow. And I know that Arizona, uh, the cash flow is higher than in Colorado Springs, right? So th- at that point, I was looking at Colorado and I actually found on uh, the Bigger Pockets website that someone was saying that it uh, appreciates more than Arizona. So I was like, hmm, let me look into this. The next thing that I found was that climate change, uh, as, as far as there was a list I saw, there was 10, 10 uh, states with um, the least effects from climate change and Colorado was actually one of them. It was like number eight or something like that. And so I was like, okay, that's important because I don't want to live in a desert for 50 years and have all these massive problems. I was really yep. looking at like, yeah, a 10 year time frame in Arizona before there's some serious issues with infrastructure and just, yeah. That's interesting. So a lot of the, just the, like Colorado as a whole was on the list or it was just Colorado Springs? It was, uh, Colorado Springs was actually listed as, as the location, but Colorado as a whole, um, will do better. Surprisingly, the place that was listed the most, uh, times was actually Virginia, Mm. which, I mean, I've never been there, but it was on that list quite a lot. So it's, uh, yeah. Interesting. Well, Jenna and I are both from Virginia. It's very, very (laughs) humid, very wet and no extreme weather. It's pretty humid and boring. Yep. Was there there a point during this, this search that you're considering the Denver metro area or was it all strictly Springs? Definitely not Denver. (laughs) No, I know. I know everyone here loves uh, investing in Denver. It's just really, um, I'm looking to be in the next market. Denver to me is already the market. So as somebody who's, who's leaving a very high expensive cost of living, I actually want to get more leverage 
um, for my dollars. And yep. so that's Colorado Springs. Yep. Yeah. All right. So um, this will be fun to talk bigger picture stuff because you put a lot of thought into it and not just, oh, I want to buy a place today, but you're looking at, you know, a multi-decade approach, yeah. which is the best way to approach, you know, a, a wealth building strategy. Mm-hmm. So getting down to Springs, I mean, lower price point, very attractive market. It's in a lot of the top list for growing places, yeah. uh, you know, all that stuff. So what type of house hack did you want to do and why start with a house hack versus straight investing? Right. Um, well, firstly, it's it's I'm my background as well. I do software engineering, so I'm really into efficiency for things. Um, I really look at like ratios of time and money and and stuff stuff like that. So, uh, as far as house hacking, it makes sense to me to live in a property and rent out rooms because number one, I I'm fairly um, I respond instead of reacting which if you if you're big on reacting is probably not a good idea for for living with your tenants type mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> um so overall I feel pretty good with that and it just seemed really inefficient to have all this empty space. You know, I'm I'm really a minimalist. I, I actually want less things in my life because they they take uh time to maintain them and care for them. So um it made sense on on that in that aspect, and then in San Francisco, you know, you're living with roommates. I mean, good luck. You you know, you it just doesn't make sense not to in in, in a way. So um, it seemed familiar. And originally, I was looking for uh, kind of like a duplex situation where there's two doors, yeah, like one mailbox but two doors, right? And I got outbid. It was it was really competitive for that because they they Airbnb it, which. Um, you know, is, is definitely a, uh, an attractive thing to do in, in the Springs. Uh, so I ended up with the one door option, but there's the basement and then there's the upper level. So you have three units upstairs and then you have me in the basement and the layout of the house lends very well to actual privacy, which was good. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the neighborhood that you're in mm-hmm. has a lot of that style where it's like the garage and the basement kind of are pocketed from the front door. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've seen a lot of opportunities for it in that neighborhood. And the fact that it's a newer build is yeah. kind of cherry on top. So are these ranch style homes or two story homes? They're two story. Okay. Two yeah. stories with a basement on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it sounds like three bedrooms upstairs and then a bedroom downstairs in the basement. Yeah. Ultimately it was a four bedroom, four bath. Um, I wanted more baths because i didn't want people sharing too many bathrooms type of thing so um upstairs there's two units uh and they're about 110 square feet so they're they're like fairly small i'm charging 650 for each of those then there's a master bedroom um that has its own bathroom um that one is larger uh that one is 800 a month uh and then i charge 50 for half the garage and then i have my motorcycle on the other half Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like so the master suite has the private ensuite, mm-hmm. full bath, mm-hmm. and then the two other bedrooms upstairs. Do they share like a, a full bath up there? Yeah, they do share. Okay, then bath. half bath on the main floor kitchen area. Uh, right. Yeah. There's yeah. a half bath. Uh, right there. There's the garage. You come in the kitchen, and then in the garage, you swing a left, and then there's the door for the basement. So it's actually opposite. Um long ways as well as height ways. So 
the distance it's good from privacy. It really is. Yeah. I, it worked really well. Yeah. I, I was very surprised. I thought that I would just be hanging out all the time with the tenants, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's good to have the ability to have the privacy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then mm-hmm. basement, good privacy, mm-hmm. bedroom, full bath down there and some living space. Yeah. So it's pretty spacious. I would rent that the basement out for twelve hundred. Uh, so you have the living room area. I have a space for an office in there, so it's kind of this open concept. Then you have a full bath with a double vanity, um, and then I have my bedroom. I've gone and I got a uh, mini fridge down there, um, which is is yeah, it's about it's like larger than a hotel fridge. There's there's a mini fridge over here yeah. I was looking at. <laughs> so bigger yeah. than this one, right? Yeah, yeah, bigger yeah, than this yeah. one. Um, and I have a double burner hot plate. Yeah. And then I'm just rocking like that. And with the double uh, vanity, you have one that you use like for bathroom things and then one for kitchen things. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting way to set up. Okay. That actually yeah. makes it really, especially for like, because it's kind of a bachelor pad for you, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's a great way to use a double vanity. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. <laughs> Did you put a garbage disposal in there yet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be the next step, right? Uh, I do want to get a plumber down there eventually if I ever move out uh, to to really get that set up as like a full kind of suite. Like to like pull that and make a wet bar? Like yeah. to pull out like the water and make a little wet bar where yeah. the, the uh, hot plate and uh, yeah. That's a really common thing we see. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of times people will buy houses like that or, you know, if depending on where the plumbing is, it can be like, hey, right. for a couple thousand bucks, it can be a very easy like thing to tie into. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you look at it, definitely maybe why you're living there doesn't make much sense. But after you move out, when you look at what rents you can get, it's definitely yeah. a great return on your money. Mm-hmm. Totally. Obviously, pick Ben's brain here when it's time for that yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so give us a high level numbers on here. I know you bought this a few months ago. What was mm-hmm. kind of like the general price point and then the um, you know, how much you're living for or getting paid to live there for? Gotcha. Yeah. So I have the numbers right right quick on my phone here. Um and I got it open for this here. So originally it was listed at 450 and I uh went 10k over just to to close on it. It had been on the market uh for a little bit of time. I would say almost a week which at that time was really a long time. Yes. I love yeah. how that was. Yeah. Oh, that was, was been in the market for a while, like almost a week. Yeah. <laughs> the undertone there. Yeah. Oh yeah. When I, the, the ones that I was looking at that were uh two door style were on the market for like three days, yeah. you know, in max. A few hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're with, like with, trying with to get 10 it offers, in. Uh, yeah. up in front of them. Yeah. Uh, a hundred percent. So, um, I did 5% down, um, three and a quarter percent. So I am loving it. I mean, yes. you know, that is fantastic to me. Uh, 30 year term. Um, and let's see here. So it's 2,100 for the gross rent coming in. Uh, I'm budgeting 5% on maintenance cause it was built in 2000, which was, I'm not big on old property because yeah. I, when I was younger, I used to do building maintenance and apartment like remodels. So I understand how old buildings just require time and I don't really want and to. money and money. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's like, um, time is really like money squared in a way, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So then as far as, uh, Utility. Okay, so let's start with uh, real estate taxes. Uh, Seven seventy four. 
Annual property insurance, 1,711. Water and sewer is averaging about 75 a month. Trash, I was surprised, is $99. However, it's because I do pay for a recycling bin in addition to a trash bin. I could just buy like a bigger trash bin. Is that 99 not a month, right? It's a month, man. That's really? We, we need to talk after that. That's pretty Yeah, bad. that's yeah. from so <laughs> yeah. yeah, Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if they have like a new rate or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. That seems, uh, yeah. I know for, I know for my primary residence up here in Highlands Ranch in Denver, I pay like that a quarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then I have a fourplex in Westminster and I pay $90 a month for a dumpster. Gotcha. Um, that just seems crazy. Yeah, yeah, it might have actually been two months because I remember there was like a credit card billing thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, you are right. That's why I was surprised at that. It's I the thing is, is I have so much going on that like it's not worth it. <laughs> like was for forty it. bucks yeah. or yeah, yeah, it's I have like bigger fr- fish going. <laughs> so we know how that goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, electric averages about eighty a month. Gas is sixty, and then internet is forty. Okay. Um, I just got solar today, yesterday, and uh, it's pretty good. I got fifteen panels, six kilowatt system. Um, 1.98% APR, no money up front. That's from Blue Raven Solar. So <laughs> yeah, um, very happy with that. I think that's going to be good. The only thing that I, I'm kind of concerned about is when I need to go re-roof, like how is that going to work? How much labor is taking those panels off? Aside from that, I think it's like a home run just on many, many metrics. Like uh, you're not paying anything up front. They have a rebate program for five years where they actually comp you so you're it's going to be lower no matter what and then with inflation and then those terms it's just uh yeah 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 i have solar in my house i mm-hmm. i know exactly what you mean and nice yeah i think it's i think it's uh, it, it can make a lot of sense mm-hmm. and so it's something people should look into for for numbers so while you're living there what are you approximately like paying for you to live there right i would say it's Probably anywhere from like five to six hundred dollars, I think, a okay. month, um, depending on kind of the utility spend and if there's like a little bit of maintenance or so. Yeah. Um, I for me, I don't mind spending a little bit more for for the quality because I I just live there myself and it's you know I enjoy that. So and you work from home too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're spending a bunch of time on there, that uh, yeah. difference of paying five hundred dollars a month or eight hundred a month for a bunch of privacy. Yeah. Splurge a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and especially since when you move out, you just mentioned 1200 So, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good, you know, turnover rate when, when you uh, when you move out. So. Mm-hmm. so let me ask you this, because uh, I know you came from San Francisco and we mm-hmm. know we help a lot of people, you know, relocate. You're not the first person to move to Colorado and buy a house hack. How what tips would you give someone for like relocating and kind of that, you know, semi, you know, long distance learning, looking at the market, putting off for process? That's a good question. Um, so it's really going to depend on who the person is really. I think their personality is going to play into their values, right? For me, I'm a grinder. I came out here to grind. So, uh, you know, I'm not looking for like nightlife. I'm not looking for, you know, these things that would be in a city that you would normally get. Right. So it's quite a change of pace compared to where I was living, but it, for all my needs, it's a good fit. Yeah. I would say for someone coming out here, I think you really need to look at the long term, given the the situation right now, right? So 
it's going to be a tighter market as time goes on. You know, you have the federal interest rate projections. I don't think it's going to get easier to buy a house. Um, Inflation is going to be strong for some time. I don't think they're going to wrangle that for a while. Where else are you going to put your money, really, if you have a a sizable amount? Now, there uh, there are I-bonds at like about 9% right now, which is pretty good. Yeah, we can buy 10,000 bucks worth a year. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, there's a fair, fair point. To, <laughs> there's to, a limit. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I mean, there's there's a fair point to different limits on yeah. on bonds that you know that are offered. I'm a big fan of I bonds. Like I yeah. love them. Yeah, yeah. Just can't buy that much. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's what I mean is that uh, real estate is really one of the the few major plays that you can do. The stock market's going to be you know trashed in my opinion six to eighteen months. I you know that's I think it's going to be a lot longer than people think. Let's let's talk about this because I know we were we started chatting a little bit. Then we say let's actually hold this conversation from the podcast because mm-hmm. you have you know a, a strong background in equities. Mm-hmm. We talked about you were exposed to it from an early you know early early age. Mm-hmm. Obviously influenced you. Mm-hmm. You do all have active trades now. Yeah. And I know you had some questions on you know the real estate market, which I think would be great because other people have that question. Mm-hmm. And I would love to kind of just do some high level like strategy debate as well because. We talk about the same thing, like, you know, we're obviously big fans of real estate, Mm -hmm. but we're even bigger fans of owning, like, you know, multiple asset classes. Right. And there's pros and cons to everything. It's always fun to, like, kind of, like, talk shop and debate, especially since you're you're very experienced on that side, we're very experienced on this side. It'd be a little fun conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So with all that, not sure when to start off, if I know you can start off with macro stuff or if if you had some specific questions, we can uh, jump into it that way. Yeah, sure. Um, I know that this probably has been talked uh, talked about a, a bit, but it's really that forecasting, you know, usually the approach is to not time the market, but if you can time it pretty close, it's a big deal. Uh, so um, I'm wondering, you know, as far as I have my timeline for the overall stock market and, and with this fourplex that Jenny was talking about, I want to actually pull the money out with a, a cash out refi. And then I'm thinking of putting it in some sort of fixed income temporarily and then rolling it in the stock market at what I would think is roughly the bottom and then using a synthetic longs to get even larger leverage, like buying leap options on, on stocks. Um, and then from there, you take that money, which is now long-term capital gains because it's over a year, and yep. then you roll that into real estate. That's basically my plan. So I am thinking that the stock market and the real estate market are both going to have their lows, but I don't think they're going to be at the same time. So it's really the timing of the actual macroeconomics for the industries. Uh, so so let's... Yeah. Okay, so um, stock market lows, mm-hmm. what, later this year? Next year? I'm thinking next year. Thinking next year? Yeah, it, the interest rate rising is, is just going to be crushing because there was no other option but to invest in equities because bonds paid nothing. So mm-hmm. now you're going to have all these high growth stocks that don't make any money. You know, they're just like, you know, they're negative on cash flows. And those are the first ones that get crushed, right? So you have your like tech stocks and your growth stocks. Then you have your like value stocks, which should hang on pretty well, but they're still going to go down. Uh, really commodities may be going up. So you're looking at like Exxon's probably going up, um, Freeport McMoran. You're looking at copper mining, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Now, how do you time that with the, you said the real estate lows? I yeah. mean, I don't see any, any, any price reductions or price drops in the near future mm-hmm. I'll, with an asterisk. I think there'll okay. be some headlines or some um, 
either we will see some price declines, but that's actually more from a like statistical way to derive it. Because one of the things that started happening during the pandemic is we start, I say we, Denver Metro, and I don't know for Springs, but Denver Metro starts selling a lot more expensive homes, like million dollar plus homes. Mm. So, you know, that weighted the average up. Okay. Um, you know, one million, two million, three million, million dollar plus homes. We started selling a lot more of those, which is why we started seeing some very, very big overall like price increases. And we're starting to see some softness in that market. Mm -hmm. So I think we might see some headlines where prices decline. Mm -hmm. And it kind of depends on, you know, the the mix of what we're selling as we go from selling, you know, 100 expensive properties a month now to 50 expensive properties a month. That obviously is going to change the, the, you know, the weighted average on there. So I think we'll see some headlines on there. Mm -hmm. But I still think a lot of like the affordable below median income prices I don't see a true price drop coming onto there. So there's my long answer on there. But I'm curious on how you are going to try to time the real estate market and when you think that might be. Yeah, real estate Because I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, well, it's it's tricky because of the interest rates. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I was originally considering uh, was you have this fourplex, which uh, was purchased with with cash. So I was thinking about doing almost a waterfall investment strategy where you roll it into smaller units. Maybe you get, um, instead of buying another fourplex, which might be a little bit tricky, uh, probably could do it. Engineering job, you know, you pull out some money, like maybe you work that out. Or you just get two duplexes that are fully paid off type of thing. Um, Ultimately, though, I want to get the money out of the real estate so that I can reinvest it at a higher rate and do some sort of like rate arbitrage. as far as timing, yeah, it's a little tricky because I don't have, I have experience in, in say, maintaining and renting, um, serving leases. I've served 30-day notices. I mean, when I was young, I mean, just, I have experience in that. But as far as the acquisitions, you know, purchasing and, and selling real estate, I don't really have that much experience in that. Um, I'm, you know, here doing it, uh, of course. Uh, so yeah, the timing is tricky. I, I'm not sure, right? So we have inflation that is, going to be slowly going down. So now you're going to have lower appreciation relative to what it was. You're going to have demand that's going to be going down because of tightening on the rates. And then a lot of it to me comes down to how much building can these builders build? You know, if they're cranking out homes, that could be a serious problem. It's almost the ratio of the supply more so than the demand. Um, well, we're not we're not getting to get a supply influx anytime soon from the builders. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last ten years they have been like nationally, they're like five six million units behind. All but on the front range. We ever since the 08 crash, we have a huge like a deficit every single year. So we have like year after year of deficits. Okay, and with the way the last year supply chains have been, labor's been. I don't hear builders talking nicely about the process of getting things approved. Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) There's, I mean, like they're building stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be a huge wave. And a lot of times they're actually building, uh, you know, more like upper end luxury products because that's where the margin is. Very hard to make margin on on the lower end stuff. Gotcha. Um, Something we talked about, um, you know, pulling out. Because you closed on the fourplex today. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Um, And I agree with you. Like leaving cash, you know, hundred percent paid off property, horrible use of oh. equity on there. <laughs> it's like dead money, you know, especially, yeah. Hey, you're, yeah. you're young. Yes. You leverage up. Hey, when you're 90, different story. Sure. But right now we're, we're in growth acquisition mode and leverage the way to go. 
Um, and I know you're looking at different loan options and kind of structuring yeah. stuff in your part because you're you're self-employed in some K-1 activity, it sounds mm-hmm. like. You could also look at this pop my mind. We we're talking, talk to some like local banks, like the first banks, the Westeras, the Vectras, mm-hmm. not the 30-year conventional mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they have a lot more flexibility for doing some type of like HELOC on a property, and they can do it off of like a like a your global debt to income ratio, and it's okay. less dependent on your W-2. Okay. Um, it'd be more HELOC product, but that could be worth some phone calls to bankers. I can give you a few after we're done here. I know Jenny's got connection as well, but that would be an option thing about too. It'd be more of like a you know, line of credit. Right. Um, they might do a second on there, but I think I've seen line of credits more, but that might be an option to look at too to just pull out some equity. Yeah, the financing has been an interesting part to me because uh, I'm so used to doing things very efficiently that when when they don't go, I don't know if it's the engineering part, but I, you know, there's like a process, just give me the information online, then I can make the decision. However, financing is so relationship-based, which is fine. I'm fine with that. It's just, I didn't know that coming in. So I'm kind of like going against the grain a bit and then I'm, my expectation is different, you know, and I'm like, nah, you know, but um, it's cool. Uh, I'm curious with those, how much higher like ballpark is it than whatever the base like 30 year fixed rate is? Um, it, it depends a lot because they have, um, you know, less banks do mm-hmm. HELOCs and mm-hmm. seconds on investment properties. A lot do it out there. When I looked, I looked at this last year, so this was before interest rates changed. Um, I found a couple that go up to the 70% LTV or combined LTV. And back then they were, well, it's hard to say the 30 year fixed. Back then they were at like mid fours. Um, mm. maybe high four. So depending on the LTV in this, you're probably going to be, you know, I'd say prime plus two, prime plus three, mm. um, would be a, a completely kind of like, uh, you know, wild ass guess. Um, but you'll, you'll be paying more, but it's worth looking into to see, right. especially like with your situation, you know, building some of the bank relationships can pay off tremendously as mm. you start re, you know, repeating and rinsing. Mm. Um, mm. and they have a lot more flexibility in those local banks. And as you're saying, I kind of like, I, I started, I was like, oh yeah, you're coming from like equities tech background, which is like yeah. super efficient, yeah, yeah, efficient, yeah, yeah, efficient, yeah. data on demand. Right. Now towards real estate, you're like, holy crap, this is inefficient. Why can't you just tell me what this interest rate, or why can't you tell me this? <laughs> yes. Why do I have to wait three weeks? Oh, So yeah, it's, it just hit with me, like what a what a difference in world it is. So uh, <laughs> get used to hurry up and waiting. But that yeah. is where in the inefficiencies, yeah. mm-hmm. that's where there's, we can find some way better spread than you can in the stock market because we don't have high frequency yeah. traders or, you know, uh, content on demand. So the grind yeah. comes into relationships yeah. and really getting like micro trends. Wow. So yeah, relationship banking for you could could be a big, big thing. I'd say I'd throw on your radar. That was a really great way to put it because uh, I I was like looking for the positives. <laughs> um, and uh, th- the idea of, you know, the market inefficiency and capitalizing on like the bid ask spread in in financing essentially is a uh, is a really good point, I think. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad Chris translated that for me because, <laughs> because I know you'd be like, why do I have to call them? Well, I don't know. It's just what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Now I understand yeah. where it's coming from. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting uh, terms to just be on a website and say, oh, okay, well, that's going to be a match. And, uh, I, you know, I've heard people who go for financing and there's like a, uh, 
you know, a very vague response on why they get denied or whatnot. And I'm like, what does that even mean? It's like mm-hmm. the quintessential, we're going in a different direction. Like, what, what are you telling me type of thing? So, um, yeah, that's cool. Okay, yeah. yeah do, do your personal <laughs> financial statement once, mm-hmm. go send off to three or four bankers at once and start the process. And a month later, we'll have terms. Okay. I'm doing a HELOC right now, my primary, and I'm talking with three and I have yet to get terms. I'm three weeks in, <laughs> but that's the way it goes. Wow. Um, Wow. That's almost as bad as the uh, software engineering interview process, but it's a little <laughs> bit longer, a little bit longer. Yeah. I don't have experience with that. I read the Google stories though. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm curious, Jenny, Ben, I'm kind of like asking a bunch of questions here. Yeah. About what, on, uh, yeah. What, what advice or input or. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I can't speak to anything stock related. I'm, I'm very, very green on that. So, uh, but I, I, I really like Michael's, thought on you call it the waterfall Mm -hmm. refinance and it's something that i don't think that we think about too often because typically um we buy and then it grows in equity and then you cash out refinance and then you buy something bigger and bigger and so on but you're starting off with the larger valued asset Mm -hmm. and then you're taking you know 75 percent of that deploying it into another property 75 percent of that and so on and so forth so i think that's a really interesting way of of deploying leverage as well um that i don't think a lot of people use i mm. I, I have not experienced that before so the other thing on the going back to heloc route that i think your mind would find interesting is as a lot of helocs are interest only so not only are you getting potentially a huge chunk of equity mm-hmm. it can be i interest only payments for three years five years or ten years until that heloc matures so if you really want to like maximize leverage and minimize paying it back uh, a HELOC might be a way to go. They have a lot more flexible interest only. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. It's yeah, interest only is a key word there. Um, yeah, we usually get on that. I mean, get interest only in some like bank loans that might be yeah. for like a year or two, and then mm. it goes back up to there. But like, I'll after this, I'll give you a few bankers to talk to. Okay, and I mean, Jenny's got a few down there she's worked with as well. So yeah, definitely worthwhile to pick their brains. Okay, especially with your at that could be like a you know that's for. As a lot of times investors, I've noticed as they grow their portfolio, a lot of times start with house hacking, a lot of 30 year fixed as they grow and mm-hmm. their assets get more complex and they also want to kind of have more simplicity. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll move, hey, they find their banking relationship, their one or two bankers they work with, mm-hmm. and this becomes like a repeat and rent cycle for them. Totally. Uh, yeah, that's a good deal. Uh, I was looking at uh, five to one arms Yeah, because uh, I really think that five year target the other ways you would deploy your capital, if it's not in real estate, is going to just be fine. Um, it's really, the, I guess, the prepayment penalties, things like that you have to look out for. Um, but if I could get an interest only on one of those, that would be pretty sweet as well. A lot of the residential arms don't have prepayments on them. Okay. I mean, definitely for like the commercial, like five plus, you'll see a lot of prepayments. Sure. Yeah. I mean, first, like bank, first bank, a couple of ones I think of. I mean, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen many deal. prepayments on there. So, okay. I mean, definitely look at, but it's yeah. that's more in like the the five plus like real commercial properties you start seeing that. Mm-hmm. Residential, I don't see prepayments in arms. Yeah. I can't think of anything I've seen recently. Of course, I mean, things may change yeah. in the market. <laughs> read, read, read your uh, loan disclosure. <laughs> so, so, so we kind of talked about time in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jen and I earlier recording a podcast, we we're talking some strategies one of my things, I'm gonna buy more rentals this year. Nice. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, always want the lowest interest rate, but I'm I'm a leverage guy like you and hold on for five years, I'll be in a good spot. Mm-hmm. One of my what ifs, hey, this may happen is hey, buy a property now we're six percent or seven percent later this year, whatever it is. And 
when a recession happens next couple months or years, which I have a high probability of, Mm -hmm. I think there's a chance we'll see interest rates dip to help funnel some stuff. And I've heard this like a lot more economists and other investors say, it's like, Hey, I I can believe it. Mm -hmm. I can see it as a possibility. I'm not banking on it, but I'm like, Hey, if I buy something, I'm happy with it and interest rates drop, I'll refinance. Uh, but if they don't, they'll hold on for that five or seven year maturity and kind of stick with a game plan. Mm-hmm. But if I can refine, drop a point and a half, I'll spend a few thousand bucks on that. Mm-hmm. So since you, you kind of learned the market timing, what are your thoughts on interest rates? So one of the reasons uh, that I decided to leave and, and get in a property um, and find a job so I could qualify for financing uh, was the Federal Reserve schedule. So they came out you know, they come out with their paper, right? And it's funny because you'll watch the news, but I think that's a bad way to get your insight unless you're really strapped for time. So I I get the report, right? So the news pundits are reading the report literally the day after I already read the report. Right. So like, I'm already informed and I can see the schedule for all the years and, you know, here's 2024 and it's like crushing, you know, it's like over a whole percent in the, in, in their, it really went up quite a lot in, in the progression. So, um, as far as interest rates, would they pull it back? I could see them doing that a bit, but I, as you say, I would not bank on it. Yeah. You know, that's that's uh, almost you're getting lucky type of thing. Um, the inflation is really crushing people. And the terrible thing about it is that I think inflation crushes like the lower class the most because you have yep. gas prices going up. People can't even go to their jobs sometimes. It's too expensive. And uh, so you have all this, this spending that was to save, you know, uh, people that had lost their jobs during the pandemic. And then here they are paying the price for it. And really people that, you know, have the most capital are just going to be just fine type of thing. And so it's, uh, they really just funded too much money. They, they pumped too much money. I mean, I, I don't really see interest rates getting pulled back too much. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not, you're not playing that game or expecting it? No, in most things, I try to go with like Occam's razor approach, right? It's like whatever the simplest answer is, is, is what the answer is going to be, right? Um, and we have tremendous amount of inflation. It's a big problem year over year or month over month. It's going down very marginally. I don't really see them uh, pulling it. Really what they should have done is they should have raised rates last year. They could have done that because now it's really painful. Well, yeah, this has been the the fastest rate increase ever in history that, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, no one expected, and we all expected rates to go up, but not to get the brakes uh, slammed quite so, quite so hard. We got a little whiplash from it. (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, Michael, this has been a blast to sound. Talk about uh, you move out here, the bigger picture strategy. I think as the market shifts, talking more about like the global perspective, Mm -hmm. because real estate is always, you know, one investment options. Mm Not the best, not the worst. It's pros and cons. Buying very much along your lines, thinking, hey, it's leverage, it's appreciation. Mm-hmm. And I go back to where else I'm going to place a lot of my cash. And I sure. like real estate a lot for all the reasons we said. So yeah. I think as you progress and you figure out the fourplex, you get mm-hmm. your your waterfall strategy, whatever you do in place, mm-hmm. I would love to have it come back on here in okay. three months, six months, nine months, whatever it is, as you know, it shakes out in our inefficient market <laughs> uh, and the process and then come back, get some reports from you and mm-hmm. uh, keep tabs because obviously like your mind tracks, it's very quick. And I mean, yes. I would enjoy it. And I think you guys would as well. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. 
And um, we're going to, of course, include your contact details here in the show notes. Sure. But we always love to use this podcast form for networking. Okay. So is there any people that you want to connect with or people reach out to? Always a great little place to uh, give a shout out or just some general networking you want to do to help uh, help you grind away. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose there's two two things. Number one, I'm working on... Um, an automation platform for investing, right? So uh, uh, software runs backends in Python. Eventually it's going to use machine learning and stuff. Um, basically there's uh, there's efficient frontier models for allocations. So it helps you allocate uh, portfolios. There's different things that are a little tedious to implement manually, like CPPI, which is a consumer price protection insurance. It's a, it's a methodology to create uh, ratios so that you never exceed a certain drawdown in the market, which okay. is really good for people that are pre-retirement, like they're getting kind of close, but they still want that higher return, but they can't have like maybe more than a 5% drawdown. Type is that just maximizing like their safe withdrawal rate, rate basically? Uh, what it does is say... Uh, you uh, have like 70% of your money in risk assets, and then you take 30% you put in risk-free assets, okay. and there's a certain multiplier, and it it's almost based on how many times you re rebalance per ye uh, year. So say you do it 12 times a year, well, that's really good for automation. You have an email come out, it just tells you how to read like the allocations, it's very convenient. Um, so in doing that, you basically have a transition from the risk assets to the risk-free assets. Of course, the returns are less because of that, but your actual capping of, of the maximum volatility is, is pretty important for people that I need to preserve their wealth that are like kind of close to that, right. that retirement edge. So that's one thing. Then the thing that I'm excited most about is the options ranking feature. So there's a lot of data scraping and uh, ranking of return on capital. And then there's a, um, it's almost like a uh, proprietary system where you're using RSI and MACD and other um, indicators to create a success outcome. So give me the most amount of money, the, the highest return on capital, say in a week on a weekly option uh, for selling puts as an example. But I want the, the most successful uh, possibility chance, not just the highest return. And as an example uh, for cash flow, because I'm big on, on that in a way, even though it's taxed a lot, you know, there are advantages. Um, Selling Tesla puts, at least pre-recession, was 1% to 2% return on capital a week. Um, I tend to be big on the appreciation in real estate. So I think, I don't know if we had touched upon that, but I remember talking uh, before the the podcast about that. Um, as far, oh, it's uh, wealthcompass.ai. <laughs> All right. That's a yeah. good domain. Thanks. Yeah. I like it. There's a, a beta sign up. You can just put your email in there. I don't send out any spam or anything. Uh, it, the whole intention was really just, uh, I want to build out automation software for myself and why not just, you know, allow other people to use it. It's a good business model. Thanks. Yeah. I love it. So we'll put all those show notes and your contact details in there. So, I mean, people check out the uh, wealthcompass.ai, mm -hmm. reach out to Michael and we'll, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, after this, we'll kind of talk about maybe a little rhythm to get you back on here as you kind of progress through the next series of your investments. Sure. So thank you. Jenny, Ben, always love having you guys in the studios to talk shop. Mm -hmm. And anyone out there listening, if you guys have comments, you know, leave it, uh, comment on the YouTube video, reach out to us, talk investing strategy. This is what we love doing. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.